What up, what up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to another episode of What the Funk. I am your host, Elena, um, and I am looking forward to today's chat because I feel like it's a topic I talk a lot about, and I never get sick of talking about it because people always have questions, and I am nothing if not somebody that wants people to have the information. Knowledge is power and empowerment with making decisions about our bodies. So we're talking about managing your PMS symptoms, and we're specifically going to also dive into if you are on hormonal birth control um, versus if you're having a natural cycle and why you might experience some differences there or specific things you might experience if you are on hormonal birth control, okay? So PMS, premenstrual syndrome, is usually marked by weight gain, water retention, breast tenderness, digestive issues, back pain, muscle pain, joint pain, headaches, acne, cramps, fatigue, increased appetite, low libido, anxiety, depression, irritability, brain fog, need I go on. And we have been conditioned to hate this. And frankly, I I kind of get why, because it sounds quite awful. However, I'm here to help us take down the patriarchy one period at a time because we don't have to live like this. Now, um, part of this is because we're not given the proper education from a young age about what to expect and how to manage things. And so many women, especially like I think in their 30s and 40s, we've been on and off hormonal birth control for years. And that only makes things worse because it promotes estrogen dominance, which only exacerbates these issues that we would otherwise have experienced. Um, and why is PMS an issue? Um, it, it's reduced productivity, interference with relationships, daily activities, and it just doesn't feel good. It feels like it stops us in our tracks for however many days we might be experiencing it. And it doesn't have to be normal. So now, um, when you have a natural cycle, some of this is, I think, expected to a degree. Some of the ones that I would say are less worrisome is going to be increased hunger. Um, and maybe you just might have a little bit more fatigue, but we shouldn't be having major, major swings in our mood or our physiological well-being going into our cycle if you are not on hormonal birth control. And if you are on hormonal birth control, these lowered progesterone levels um, due to the hormonal birth control are associated with PMS. This is very similar biofeedback to estrogen dominance. So then when there is a sudden withdrawal of that synthetic progesterone, there can be a fairly severe impact on female physiology. And that is why it can be worse um, your periods almost get worse once you're on birth control than maybe they would have been otherwise. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times people get given birth control as a way to quote unquote balance the cycle. It's, let's balance your hormones when in actuality, hormone or birth control in and of itself um, is meant to disrupt your natural hormone pathways through the um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the HPA axis within our brains. Okay. Um, so nutritional considerations for general menstrual health. Let's get into that. So systemic and general inflammation has an impact on PMS syndrome, on PMS symptoms. So this is where we have a lot of highly processed foods, refined sugars, low fiber diet, alcohol. Well, what do we want when we're dealing with PMS? We want highly processed foods, refined sugars. We don't really want to eat our vegetables and we might want a glass of wine with that chocolate cake, right? Um, and so this is where, you know, it's funny because the one thing that I tell people, I actually had a client the other day text me and she goes, I'm about to start my period and I'm hungry or what do I do? And I'm like, you eat more. And she was just like, for real? And I'm like, yes. 
However, it's not just like eat more as a general thought. It's, hey, have like another full meal or increase your serving sizes of your regular meals so that you're getting more protein, more fibrous foods, more healthy fats within your day. And then still have some chocolate because frankly, I don't think we need to be um, in our late luteal phase or on our periods to warrant the consumption of chocolate. I actually had some chocolate cake today. Thank you very much. Uh, And it was quite delicious, uh, I might add. I like to have baked goods in the house at all times. It's just one of those things that we're always going to have some kind of gluten-free baked deliciousness floating around my kitchen. Um, But anyway, uh, so when we follow this standard American diet or these Western diet patterns, essentially, of what is considered normal within really America, um, and we don't have a really good knowledge of like how to get in more fiber, how to get in more protein, how to get in more nutrient-dense foods, which is one thing I really work on with a lot of my clients. Um, It seems simple, but it's not as simple as all of that. And simple doesn't necessarily always equate to easy. So what I recommend people do is look at your food across the day and at each meal of your day, can you have a fruit or a vegetable? Can you have a protein in your snacks that you have? And it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but starting just by making those small changes over time can really have a positive impact. Um, Potential use of intermittent fasting also during the late luteal phase can be beneficial. uh, However, um, I don't recommend it just as like a blanket statement. It would be something where like, this is really gonna be more beneficial for somebody who is dealing with um, really high levels of systemic systemic inflammation and they're gonna benefit more from a time-restricted feeding window Um, If you are not somebody who's struggling with maybe PCOS or insulin resistance or endometriosis, or um, you are not dealing with um, body weight management issues, right? You don't have, or you maybe are a high stress individual. This might also be appropriate for you. Um, Leveraging, and I say that asterisk, asterisk, um, using fasting methods can I sometimes help inflammation, but it can also sometimes make it worse. Um, so it's one of those things that you kind of have to play with and then assess and see how you felt after one or two cycles to be able to really make an informed decision. Um, and so test it out at your own risk. Um, but doing a little bit of intermittent fasting could potentially help manage cortisol levels better through the late luteal phase, which is that window just preceding menstruation, this could potentially have a positive impact on mood and cravings again, but I would not rely on that as a necessary, necessarily initial go to. Um, it's something that is going to be very dependent on the individual and you won't know really until you try. So I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just saying it's not like the end all be all solution that I think a lot of people think that fasting could potentially be. And then we obviously have some increased hunger hunger and calorie requirements. People can burn up to 300 calories more during their late luteal phase into menstruation. And so again, my client, she was like, I'm hungry, what do I do? And I'm telling her to eat more food. Like that's not what we've been taught. Um, and so allowing yourself to have those bigger serving sizes, increase the portions at your meals, um, and then maybe even fit in an extra meal of what you would normally have eaten anyway, don't use this as an out to treat yourself like shit like we do with so many other things, right? Um, I see all too often people using their mental health or their periods as an excuse to treat themselves like crap. And then they wonder why they don't feel good and they want a solution, but then they don't actually want a solution. They just want somebody to validate the choices that they're making. (laughs) And then they wonder why their periods suck. And I'm like, you have to be willing to come to terms with the fact that at the end of the day, you are the one in charge of making those decisions and only you can move the needle. And so you have to make the choice and you have to recognize that you can't continuously give yourself 
the excuse month after month, week after week, you've got to make a different choice. Um, and so, yes, uh, anyway, but again, also keeping in mind too, this means that you have to realize that fried foods, coffee, alcohol, all of these things are going to have a bigger impact on PMS and make those symptoms be more exacerbated than they otherwise need to be. Um, so let's talk about nutrient deficiency, specifically with hormonal birth control, because I mentioned earlier that part of the reason why sometimes I, I clock PMS being worse almost in individuals with birth who are using hormonal birth control is because of this withdrawal period. Um, and so this withdrawal bleeding occurs when you're on that placebo week of your birth control. Um, and the reason again, why it feels so sudden is because all of a sudden you are not producing any of your own progesterone enough of your own progesterone to begin with because of the hormonal birth control. And then you suddenly remove the synthetic that your body is getting. Your body's just like, Whoa, excuse me. What did you do? I don't like this. And then you have all of these symptoms. You have a horrible period. You feel like shit and you've just, it's just been normalized. It's just been normalized, but nutrient deficiency specifically when people are struggling with hormonal birth control are quite serious. So folic acid, gets depleted, B vitamins get depleted, vitamin C, vitamin E. These are all necessary for managing inflammation. Um, in addition to that, magnesium and selenium and zinc specifically directly correlate to poor thyroid function. Oh, I need to do a whole other podcast. As I was like typing up the notes for today's podcast, I came up with another episode idea that I'm going to do um, later on this year. And it's specifically about the correlation between hormonal birth control and hypothyroidism. There's a reason that I see it happening and there's a reason why most people that are on hormonal birth control are putting themselves probably at risk for subclinical hypothyroidism and that's part of why it's gaining traction. And again, these are just observations and correlations, but when we start thinking about the nutrient deficiencies that people struggle with when it comes to hormonal birth control and then people wonder why then they're estrogen dominant and they have subclinical hypothyroidism and they've gained a bunch of weight all of a sudden in the last two years and they've been anxious and they feel weird and their hair is not as full and thick as it used to be. It's not, it's not a coincidence. It's not, it's not just a random coincidence. There's a reason that this happens. So things that you want to make sure that you're doing, especially if you're on hormonal birth control to help reduce the impact of PMS and that withdrawal bleeding is by supplementing those nutrients because there's no other way that you're going to get them. You're probably not eating enough vegetables to get all of those nutrients. So um, my favorite multivitamin is linked down below. Um, it has really good um, efficacious doses, doses of all of these vitamins and minerals in it. And it's fairly inexpensive. It's a thorn to a day. Um, I take it myself. I have a lot of clients that take it. And it's just one of those things that you want to do to stack the deck in your favor if you do think that staying on hormonal birth control is the best option for you because it's not something that I think is bad, but I think if you're going to be on it, let's make sure that you're filling in the gaps. Now, if you're not on hormonal birth control and you're still dealing with all of this, still go pick up that multivitamin because even if you're not on hormonal birth control, you're probably deficient in at least one of those or many of them. Magnesium specifically is one that a lot of people really don't get enough of. Um, and that selenium and that zinc is also going to help improve your thyroid function as well. Um, additional recommendations that I can make to help reduce discomfort of PMS. And especially if once you're on your period, um, red raspberry leaf tea and nettle tea are really quite amazing. Using castor oil packs can be very, very helpful. 
as well. Um, and then also, uh, I love to introduce, uh, what is it called? Using a portable TENS unit. Um, I have mine from Livia. I got it like five or six years ago in my mid-20s. How old am I now? I'm 32. I got it when I was like 24, 25. So yeah, I've had it for like six or seven years now. And it's been quite nice because I do still experience some cramping and some discomfort, but it's nothing that like interferes with my day-to-day -day life. But if I could just slap on a little portable TENS unit, it does make things like going to the gym, going to run to the grocery store, just running errands out about town, just a little bit more comfortable. And like I said, it'll last for like a full day. Um, so they're quite nice. They also make portable heating pads too, if you prefer using heat to help any discomfort. So again, um, red raspberry leaf tea, nettle tea, heating pads, TENS units. Bottom line is we probably need a few less processed foods and a few more nutrient-dense foods. But again, I'm not here trying to demonize consuming things like a chocolate bar, but also very much pose the question to you, um, do, are you letting yourself off the hook too frequently with this stuff? Are you content being is stuck in this cycle where you're using your period as an excuse to get out of things or lay in bed all day long or make the nutritional choices that you're used to making on your period? Or are you ready to challenge yourself to try something new so that way you don't get knocked on your ass by your cycle every single month? Because you very much can be in the driver's seat and your period doesn't have to suck. We are here trying to take down the patriarchy one period at a time and empower ourselves so that we can be in the driver's seat when it comes to our health. All right, you guys. That's it for today. I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.